Welcome to Finding My Yum, a sex-positive podcast celebrating all forms of sexual expression. Each week, we bring on a new guest to share their journey. We talk openly and honestly about what they're into and what sex, kinks, love, and more look like in the real world. I'm Jerry Courtney Austin. And I'm Will Lentz. And we are your hosts. Today, we're joined by Tyler Johnson to talk all about waiting until your 30s to have sex for the first time, mm-hmm. the princess bride, religious upbringings, and more. He's super fun. He's amazing. He's got such a great He's hysterical. vibe and yeah. personality. Just such a lovely human being yeah. to have a conversation with. Um, you're thoroughly going to enjoy. Uh, but before that, it is Valentine's Day. That's true. Happy Valentine's Day. We did it, guys. We made it to Valentine's Day. This is our year anniversary of episodes. And I feel overwhelmed by that. I can't believe we've been doing it for a year, Will. Yeah, we've talked about this off mic, but it's so... Yeah, it's been a year, but also, like, can you imagine, like, how much we've grown? So much. (laughs) Not just the show, but, like, individually. I know. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, the first episode that we did was a montage of different Valentine's experiences. Mm -hmm. And that first day of recording really propelled us into this new arena, which is what we're exploring now of talking, like, really vulnerably and openly about people's sexual exploration and insights and backgrounds and journeys. Um, but I, I don't think a year ago I would have ever imagined that we would be here, that I've had so many, we've had so many cool conversations Absolutely. or interesting interactions or learned yeah. so much. I mean, I can, I will uh, uh, say early on, there were a couple episodes where you felt very like nervous going so in. Nervous. How am I going to talk about this? And then now it's like, oh, it's second nature like and also still nerve wracking well that's fair too (laughs) you you just don't talk about it as much (laughs) but yeah and then even my conception of valentine's day i I think as i get older the holidays in general just mean less to me yeah i relate to that yeah like every day should count and and the idea of like just putting pressure on these specific days which is what i 100 percent used to do like especially in my past relationship like my bigger relationship i i remember the first valentine's day we spent together i made this big hullabaloo we had to have like a big expensive dinner and this night out and like both of us were so nervous because of me yeah and it was fine but all both of us were like we're not even behaving like we normally do because i was trying to recreate a fucking rom-con movie for sure <laughs> doing things that you never would do anyways or you, you might but it would it would sure. it wouldn't be on this random tuesday or whatever no exactly yeah no nah, it's tough what are you what are you looking forward to this valentine's day working and making a lot of money I, off of other people's there love. you go you know <laughs> full circle yeah. what about you uh sometimes i like to go get like those uh heart can't chocolate things and i eat the chocolates in them because they're good that's about oh, it. Oh, like the... I like the candy, you know? <laughs> I, it's not about love to me. It's about <laughs> chocolate candy. They do have really good yeah. candy that comes out. Like, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think of... Other, I like the sweet tarts, too. Sure. I'm a big sweet tart fan. I think we're going to do like a... Uh, we're doing like a work Valentine's Day. We might even do like the little cards. because well, you guys have a candy wall. That's so. true, too. Yeah. It'll be fun. I hope it's all redone with just Valentine's Day candy. But not related to love, <laughs> love at all. Fuck love. I'm hey, just kidding. Sure. Enjoy love, but also the candy. And enjoy this episode with Tyler, who is seriously, absolutely delightful. It was really cool to get a male perspective of waiting um, until your 30s to have sex for the first time. And his 
crazy interesting background and religious upbringing and this idea that princess bride was like his right idealized version of love and romance which totally makes I sense get it. it's a great movie also so damaging for both men and women. also very true <laughs> <laughs> so please enjoy and have the happiest of valentine's days i'm feeling yummy head to toe you see me so let's go. Woohoo! Welcome to Finding My Yum. I'm so excited today. We have Tyler Johnson here, a man about town, <laughs> <laughs> actor, teacher, extraordinaire. Um, thank you for being here. It is a pleasure. Yay! And this is your first podcast ever. I am podcast inexperienced. Yeah. yeah. It's almost right. more embarrassing to talk about than what we're about to talk about. <laughs> This is my first and time I on love a that you're not using the word virgin because I've expressed my extreme grotesque for that particular word, and we're gonna get into that, but um, the concept in general. But we know each other through our acting studio, which is Anthony Mindel Actor Workshop. Yeah. So I've known you for I've been there for six years. I've known you, yeah, we know each other for six years. That's insane. And you know what I think is even more insane is like. Only because of this podcast have I also been able to connect with people that I've known for this length of time in like such a different way. Yeah. Um, not that we didn't have conversations. We talked about dating all the time. No, absolutely. Like I actually talked to you more than almost anybody. Really? It, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like I learned about myself and my relationships by talking to you at the studio. Yeah. I loved it. It was like a check-in. I do yeah. remember that. I was like, oh, I get to check in with Tyler every week. I'm like, what's happening? What's the deal? Like. What's going on? <laughs> oh, man, I, I, I'm really pleased that you actually <laughs> stuck around for that because, uh, like, it was a very learning, it was a learning process oh, for fun. me. Oh, fun. Oh, yay. Oh, good. See, I was like, just like warming up for this. <laughs> yeah, no, you, I think you've, like, you've truly found your, yeah. <laughs> My calling. Um, well, thank you. Uh, okay, so let's dive in. I'm curious where, let's say, where did you grow up? What was growing up like? I was born a poor black child in rural <laughs> Mississippi. Um, You've changed quite a bit. No, yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, I was born in Texas uh, to a Baptist preacher and a uh, television news anchor, uh, and moved. <laughs> I didn't know yeah. any of that. Yeah, this is um, all brand new. What kind of news station? Um, local, uh, KWTX okay. in uh, Waco, Colleen Temple. Did they swing either? Oh, they weren't really swingers, Jerry. Uh, he, was a, he was a Baptist minister. But I bumped. Um, were, was it a, any political affiliation that the station had? Um, oh, I mean, this is the 80s, so, like, not really. Okay. Like, it's, you know, local TV news is it's just, like, the latest tornado or missing dog or, like, <laughs> you know, you, you lead with the national stuff for, like, a two minutes, but then you get back to what's going on Got in Waco, so. Were you... Was your family like somewhat of a celebrity then in this town in terms of like notoriety? Because it's very visible, both of your parents. You know, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I think it was the kind of thing where my mom would be recognizable, but no one came up to us. Okay. Um, I would say we were probably more well known because we spent a lot of time at the church. So like my dad being the pastor and uh, like at the at the time, like when I was born, it was at a smaller church, but then he his career started to progress pretty steadily uh, throughout my childhood. So 
um, by the time I was like 10 years old, we were living in Atlanta and he was pastoring a church with like 500 people. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like, have you uh, seen righteous gemstones? <laughs> not yet. I actually <laughs> want to check that out. Like it's, that's not like just based on what I could see so from I, the, I'm it's sure not it's not same. at all. Just when you said 500 people, that's a lot of people to lead. And yeah. 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 And my dad's like, uh, he's kind of the like a visionary in terms of like wanting to grow a, a like a space and to create community. Community. Oh, so cool. yeah, he's like, I really respect him and the way he goes about being a minister. Like it's, um, like there's a saying in like the Baptist church, I think, uh, like it's all about nickels and noses, just how many people you can get in the door and like all this stuff. Yeah. And that was something that he always rejected. And it's weird because he rejected that he's actually been successful and a lot of people have come to his church. And sure. so like, yeah, he's, uh, he's, uh, preaching at a church in North Dallas now where they have like. I think they had like six thousand people show up for their Christmas services. Holy! Yeah, they had like they had like <laughs> eight imagine. services uh, over like uh, Christmas, like Christmas Eve stuff. Oh my goodness! Yeah. So you grew up religious then? Oh yeah, totally. And do um, you have siblings? I do. I'm the middle of. Uh, I've got two brothers. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, right. I didn't know that. So, so did you? So, is religious? Tell me a little bit about the Baptist sort of view of Christianity. Because I get confused. Sure. I mean, there's a lot of flavors of Protestantism. So yeah. Southern Baptist is, um, I mean, it's hard, like in terms of like this context of what we're going to be talking about today, it's, you know, pretty much what you'd expect. It's like no sex before marriage. Uh, like you may remain pure. My church never had these, but it's like in that space of like father, daughter, like purity ball kind of stuff. So like father daughter purity. You've ball? never heard of the purity ball and the no. promise ring and the I've heard of the promise, promise ring. ring. Yeah. This is like I mean there are like this is like I feel like that's pretty extreme and not the norm but it is a it's just one click to the you know to the right of where people already are. Okay. Um so like it's basically just a it's a daddy daughter dance but with an element of like you take that purity pledge at the thing. So it's Oh, it's meant yeah. to happen at a wedding? It's like Or like a coming out party? It's a wedding-ish like a- type. Like it's it's a it is a ceremony and a party and Oh, just yeah. surrounded around this Daddy daughter, yeah, it's a, like it's a yeah, it's like a, it's an event, it's a gala ball kind of situation. But again, I never had to deal with that. There's a, uh, a horror movie about this called Pure <laughs> on Hulu that you Ooh. should check out. It's pretty good. <laughs> okay, great. Now I need to see that. I didn't know anything about this. Um, so I am for Baptists. You believe in one God. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So if, uh, just go like straight up Baptist theology, the thing that defines a Baptist yes. is, uh, it's monotheistic. Okay. Uh, they believe that, uh, they believe, uh, the, uh, uh I almost said the Apollos creed, uh, <laughs> the, the apostles creed. Uh, we believe in uh, Jesus Christ, our Lord of virgin birth. Uh, or, uh, we believe in God, the father maker of heaven and earth and Jesus Christ is only son, our Lord of virgin birth. And it goes on. I think it talks about the Holy spirit. Um, okay. but there was like a, like, I remember growing up, there was like a, a, a praise band that like put that to a rhythm. It's like, we believe in God, the father, maker of heaven and earth and Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord of virgin birth. And I mean, that it was, sticks. Wow. So, that was just like... yeah. Wow. I actually don't know if we have the rights to that. So uh, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. You might need to check on that or edit it out. Isn't that historically? <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, that, yeah, I mean, they, they can't own the words. Maybe the rhythm. I don't know if you can. Uh, no, that was all you. <laughs> yeah, I, that's definitely. I definitely have a rhythm all my own. Um, but yeah, so that's like the, the kind of like, that's, I think fairly broad. Um, one of the things that makes a Baptist in particular is they believe in baptism by immersion. And, uh, and whereas like Methodists and other denominations might sprinkle a baby or if you decide oh, to get baptized, full, like, like head underwater, you get yeah, Got it. like you, you put on a robe or something that you don't mind getting wet. You cross your arms and you're. Did you do this as a baby? No. So that's the thing is, uh, Baptists believe in, um, like, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's, there's real elements of progression in the Baptist church Uh hidden within all the deep conservatism (laughs) because the ultimate thing about what makes you a Baptist is you have made a conscious decision and said yes to this major choice. And then you make a public proclamation through baptism of being immersed and saying, I am a part of this community and I choose to live this way. Oh, cool. So, so what, at what age is that normally? Um, usually, like, I mean, some churches will just like, you know, it, there's variance in terms of like what you believe in terms of salvation. And so you could get baptized, like there's, uh, in, in my Baptist church and the way I was raised, um, it's a little bit gray. Um, okay. like, so for example, like, you know, this is, this is going to get dark, but if a Please. kid dies, if a child dies or if a baby dies, uh, and they haven't been baptized, there is space in Baptist theology to say, I mean, that, that kid was not a sinful creature. They had no accountability for their actions. They couldn't possibly know about their sinful nature and Got about it. redemption and, and all this stuff. So there's, there's a little bit of um, there's a little bit of room and space um, for the age of accountability, um, hmm. which it varies. Um, I mean, it's kind of in line with uh, with the Hebrew tradition of like once you're 13, you are of age. Right. Um, I got which is so young. <laughs> it's so young. Like but I got I mean, bat mitzvah know. and I was like, what? When the, the average lifespan was 30. Absolutely. Like, makes total sense. Hey, yeah. you got 15 years left. Yeah. Get cracking. Get on it. Um, but yeah, so I, um, I've, 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 again, I, I really respect my dad because I remember being five years old and being scared out of my mind of uh, eternity, either heaven or hell. I was actually terrified of heaven more so than hell. Because uh, it was like, I'm going to heaven. I'm pretty sure. I'm I'm surrounded by all these church people. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm set. Right. But then your mind starts thinking about eternity and the fact that it never ends, and you never get to have a little nap uh, and just kind of <laughs> conk out for a bit. You're just there for all of it. And you're like, oh, you're such a self-aware little five-year-old. It was very scary. <laughs> I had those kind of fears too. I was like about existence, like yeah. the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so I told my dad that I, you know, I, as scared as I was of it, I was just like, well, I mean, it's going to be better if I'm with my family. So I was just like, dad, I want to be a Christian. I want to follow Jesus. And I was five. And he like took me into his room and he was like, so this is how life works. I'm going to die someday. And it's just like, again, it gets super dark. My dad's just like laying it all out there. He gives me the Mufasa speech basically. Uh, yeah. Did you have the whole like now again? Yeah, like hold you in front of the whole congregation. We definitely don't have the rights for that. Yeah. Uh, Disney. Yeah, he like he sat me down and he's like, "I'm gonna die someday, and um, and hopefully it's not for a long time, but this is where I will be, and I want you there with me." But at the same time, and this is like this is how he uh, 
pushed my baptism back. He's like, let's wait until uh, Nana and Bob, your grandparents, can can be here to see you get baptized. And my grandparents would come and visit every now and then. Like they lived about five hours away. Um, but it just never lined up for me to get baptized. And so it took another uh, seven years uh, before oh, I was wow. actually baptized. And I was baptized as a 12-year-old. Okay. Um, I may be off on the time. Maybe 11, maybe 12. Did, so at that point, you still wanted to um, like dedicate yourself into... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, like my understanding has changed. I, I, I don't, you know, <laughs> it's so cliche. It's like, I'm not really a religious person. I'm more spiritual these days. Yeah. Sure. Um, but I consider myself a, a Christ follower. Um, I like, uh, it's just, I have a different, um, I have a different take on what that means for my life and how I operate. Okay. We'll get there. But, um, so what was your experience with sex and love and relationships and what, what was the predominant teaching? Like what, what did you take in as this is my part in it and what I'm supposed to do? Yeah. Um, I would say the predominant teaching was uh, definitely no sex before marriage. Um, uh, like I feel fortunate in that it was always couched as sex is an amazing and incredible thing. Oh, okay. Uh, and it is something that deserves respect and uh, and should be set apart for a specific form of relationship. Um, Which is a committed, everlasting, a committed, yeah. lifelong relationship. Got yeah. It. And so um, I, I would, uh, I was fortunate to see my dad perform marriage ceremonies and stuff. And he was, he was very often in his uh, marriage. Uh, I, we don't call it a homily, but it, that's the best word for it because it's not really a sermon. Okay. Um, but uh, in his talk before joining a couple together, um, he would often um, relate the the joining of two people as a reflection of uh, how Christ loves the church, um, which is a biblical idea uh, from Paul, okay. um, which I think comes from Romans. Um, but if I'm wrong, edit that out. Uh, <laughs> or fact check. Yeah, fact check me. <laughs> this is just my see, like my, my insidious way to get people to read the Bible. It's like, uh, he, it's, it's actually Galatians. They have to go back. They're like, no, that's wrong. Yeah. But the idea is basically um, marriage is like in... Uh, like in the form that it takes within the Baptist church is a reflection of how Christ loves us and redeems us. And, uh, and so it is a very intimate relationship. And, and I think they, that sex got rolled up into that. Yeah. I guess my question is then where, what, what role does sex play in that intimacy? Because I mean, I imagine, pardon my French here, but I like, Jesus isn't fucking the church, right? Like that's not like what's actually happening. That's actually on a on a cosmic spiritual <laughs> level. Sure, dude, like I get it. It's spiritual intercourse, Jerry. <laughs> it's like more in tune than your body could even ever be. Sure, but then so but then as a practical application mm. to the human body, what 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 did you think about then what the physical act because so what i think is interesting i'll tell you from my point of view is like when i grew up i'm jewish mm-hmm. and so i wasn't super religious but i was i had a similar upbringing of like my mom really emphasized the fact that like sex is beautiful and wonderful and it wasn't even necessarily until marriage but it was that this it was a sacred thing that was supposed to happen between two people who loved each other right and coupled with this disney rom-com idea of right like 
there's some threshold that has to be like reached in order to meet the person and they have to check all these boxes and then you're going to live happily ever after and then you never, nobody ever sees what that looks like but like it's amazing and that's what it's going to be. Sure. And so I'm curious like in terms of your conception coupled with this religious sort of fervor around it in this religious idea, like wh- what did sex look like in, ter- in, in even in the the couple itself. Um, wow. This is, okay. So we're going to get into a little bit of me here. Uh, so my favorite, I know. um, there's a, a pretty strong dichotomy. Um, mm. so for, for me, I would say primarily, and the thing that I like put my heart towards, uh, was, um, basically the princess bride. Um, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like yeah, if, you know, if that can be your conception of like, if that could be your reality of what a love story is, holy crap, that's an insanely good outcome. Yeah. Um, and as a Christian, if you think that God is with you and God is for you, and if you save yourself for this and you wait for that right person to come along, that's the kind of thing you're waiting for. But it's also like, that's kind of the thing that, you know, fairy tales mess with your head and make right. you think that that's like, you know, a reality, which, um, Again, I, th- I think there are like a, a lot of fortunate things that came along in my in my lifetime because I was lucky enough to have discovered the novel version of The Princess Bride when I was like eight or nine years old, and I you know I was an adv- I was an advanced reader, so <laughs> um, it was written by William Goldman, who also wrote the screenplay for the movie, and it's an adult book. It's yeah. an adult like it is a like a not a cynical but a, a wide open take on fairy tales he's like i'm gonna write the best fairy tale i can but i'm gonna intercut it with me as a fictional character having a hard time writing like having a hard time coming to terms with this as my life is falling apart and i'm like in a loveless marriage and all this stuff so like there's there's this thing of like i got to see that the curtain pulled back a little bit oh the narrator of it is present because the narrator in the movie is the grandpa and a kid is yeah. like sort of, yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Because that's a totally different perspective. Totally. Di- oh, man. If you read the, like, spoiler for the novel, uh, if you haven't read this 35 <laughs> year old book uh, based on an even more popular movie, uh, the end, like, it ends the way it does in the movie, and they, like, ride off into the sunset. And then, like, the, the, the story ends. And then William Goldman, the fictional William Goldman who's writing this, just starts to go, and. And that's the end. Unless, I mean, man, I guess maybe Inigo's wounds open up and he starts to like have to deal with, you know, bacteria <laughs> and, uh, and then Buttercup gets old and she's not the most beautiful woman in the world anymore. And, you know, Wesley's been mostly dead. And so how long has he got really? And he just starts to just destroy yeah. this thing he's created. And so like the, the reality is sort the of the idea of into the woods too, right? It's yeah. like the second act is all about, okay, happily ever after happened. Now what the fuck happens? Mm-hmm. Like, what does that actually look like? And it's actually horrible. It's, I, well, you know, I, 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 there's, there's a lot of horrible elements. Sure, sure. But without that second act, the first act of Into the Woods is the most cloying, nonsensical, sentimental, yeah. like frustratingly saccharine thing. Because yeah. everything works out and everyone's so happy. Totally. And uh, that's the that's the version that they make children do for yes. like the junior version. Like they don't like. I think that's such a disservice to kids to just be like, we're going to put on half of this story and then we're going to wait for you to figure out on your own that it's bullshit. Right. And that was my revelation, I think, as I got older and reckoning with my sexuality too of like, 
What if there isn't that one person? What if I don't what if I don't find them, you know, in high school, in college when I didn't find anybody and then like coming out into LA and I'm like, "Okay, well, what if I just don't find the what does that mean? I just can't have I can't explore. I can't do this. I can't have sex. I can't have emotional connections and 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 intimacy in different ways. Like I think that's where my brain was like, you know, just like short-circuiting. Yeah. Um to add to that fairy tale frustration, yeah. the reality of my life also did a lot to like reinforce that. And like I, it, it messed again, it messed with my head in a very specific way because there is a long line of really great love stories in my family of like meeting young, falling in love, staying together, uh-huh. having a, 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 a long term relationship. My my mom's parents, and I saw the letter actually over the holidays. She showed me a picture of it, um, or she, like of my grandmother's calendar. Uh, and it's like on a on a Thursday, uh, or no, on a Sunday, saw Paul at church. Uh, like we're going out to dinner. Monday, went out with Paul. Friday, Paul proposed. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So like they got engaged after a week of knowing each other. Yeah. Uh, and they are still together. Right. Um, they had seven kids. They lost their oldest. Uh, and that is something that usually just destroys yeah. a family. And they survived even that. They're this like powerful couple. And they met super young, got married super fast. And that's not something that happens nowadays. Yeah. Um, my, my dad's parents, my grandfather was in a terrible accident when he was in his twenties and lost his left leg and had like mobility issues his whole life. Like they fused his right hip. He was literally blown up in an oil field explosion. Oh my God. Um, and, uh, that was when my grandmother was pregnant with my dad and my grandfather was still in the hospital almost a year after, uh, when my dad was born. Uh, and so their relationship shifted from this like young love story into a different kind of love where my grandfather couldn't do everything for himself. And my grandmother as a really young woman took on this role of being a caretaker Mm. and really just like went all in on it and lived her entire life. She actually just passed away, uh, just before Thanksgiving of this past year. Um, she was really, I mean, she was a a superhero of a woman, um, and so, like, th- I had that. And then my parents had the same kind of thing. Like, my dad uh, walked into a mall and saw my grandfather, who he knew from childhood, and said, oh, hey. And uh, my, my grandfather, Paul, said, well, have you said hi to Robin? She's working at the Chick-fil-A. And my dad went to the Chick-fil-A at this Lubbock Mall where he lived, like, an hour away and walked in, and he saw my mom, and, and you know, he tells us, and there she was, <laughs> her hair slicked back with chicken grease. <laughs> And love at first sight. Uh, and they like, you know, he drove her back to uh, to her grandparents' house. And she was supposed to, like, they her grandparents lived in his hometown. And so he, like, drove her home. And they, like, she sat in the front seat. And his mom sat in the back with his sister. And they talked the whole way back. And he was supposed to go on a date with someone else that night. So he, like, drops her off. She has to stay at his house because her grandparents aren't home. <gasps> And it's this rom-com story where he goes off on this date and like it's the fastest date of his entire life. It's like 45 <laughs> minutes and he just comes back to Robin. 
and they've been together ever since. They got they got that's married a when good fucking that's, story, that's pretty man. Fun. He, he <laughs> proposed like they got married when he was twenty one, she was nineteen. Oh wow! My older brother, his first <laughs> week of freshman year of college, he is. I mean, th- this story I think saves him from being a men's rights a- activist. I, I have to, I have to believe it because you've also just gotten more southern. I guess you've been talking about this, and this, I'm just enjoying it so much. This does, I just have to point it out. Talking about my family takes me like, back to back Texas. Like, back little girl. My 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 grandfather Bob, who passed away years ago, like he he he, he talked. Well, Tyler, there, there, there's there's old there's old Jerry. How are you? Oh my God! Uh, he was he was the best. Amazing. Um, okay, but I, what, your older brother. So my older brother is. Uh, I mean, there's no other way, other way to say it. Like it's it's a romantic story on one level, but on the other hand, he was playing piano in the lobby of the freshman girls' dorm, <laughs> specifically to pick up girls. <laughs> there are other Yum. places to play piano on on campus, but. That's First a week, like, that's a current rom com for you. That's I mean, the rom coms I watched. Oh yeah, seriously. <laughs> and so he sits down and he's playing what he calls his uh, "Chicks Dig This" playlist of no joke Billy Joel and Elton John tunes. <laughs> and my now sister in law walks up with a group of friends and they're like, "Hey Beth Ann, will you play and uh, will you play uh, Happy Birthday? It's one of our birthdays." And she she's like, "Well, yeah, okay." And she gets my brother's attention. She says, hey, would you mind letting me use the piano? Uh, I, I want to play Happy Birthday for my friend. And my brother looks at her, sees that she is a, a, a beautiful girl, and instead of giving, getting up off of the bench, he slides over and doesn't give up the piano entirely, but he just like shares the bench with sure. her. And then she cracks her knuckles and rips off this <laughs> insane classical version of Happy Birthday. And it turns out she's a piano performance major. <laughs> and she destroys him <laughs> at the piano. Uh, after which point he just goes, would you go to the howdy dance with me? <laughs> oh. Which is a, a real thing. Goodbye, hey, bet. And... <laughs> You know, you know, he'll tell this like he tells a story to us like, his, you know, he's a college freshman. So, he, you know, he's telling stories to his high school brothers back home. He's like, and so five hours later, we were making out by the Dr. Pepper machine. And, and like all this stuff is Dr. Like, Pepper is great. Beverage, by the way. Dr. Pepper sponsoring the, the youth if you're out there of Central Texas, uh, creating love. Uh and so, like, you know, and they're married to the state. They've got, they've got three kids. They've been together. They wow. got married. Um, gosh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess up the year, but I want to say 2003. Uh, and That's they're, a long time. Yeah. So they've been together, but since they, they've been together for 21 years. How much older is he than you? He's two years older than me. Okay. Okay. So that's quite a lot of weight yeah. <laughs> on your shoulders of, like, what it's supposed to look like. Yeah. So I'm checking these boxes right. of, like, okay, so tw- my dad, 21, uh, you know, Papa and Grand are, like, 20. Sure. All the, like, so I'm, like, you know, all right, so I got yeah, my... Yeah, it's time. It's time. The time has arrived. The time Where has come. <laughs> I'm a college sophomore. Where is my lady, please? Sure. Which is, uh, like, that's that was that was really my expectation. Uh, was like, I'm going to be in a relationship. I'm going to meet somebody at Baylor uh, where my entire family went. Uh, it's just, that's what happens. Yeah. And then it didn't happen. Sure. Um, 
And so, um, people like, uh, whenever I would tell some, tell people throughout my twenties that I hadn't, uh, had a sexual relationship, they would always be like, Oh, congrats. Like, you know what? No matter, like, no matter how like freaky they like, like not disparaging, but like just freaky they were in their own personal life yeah. and how cool they were with their choices. They with, without, of uh, without fail, People would always just say, yeah, that's really, that's, that's awesome, man. Good for you. Like, way to wait. And I'd be like, I had no choice in this matter. <laughs> I thought things were going to be different by now and they are not. And I have no way to deal with it. Um, okay. There's so much in there that I, I know. want to unpack, but I would like to go back a little bit just in, even into grade school and high school in terms of like, did you have girlfriends? No, no, no. Okay. Was, was there any, because so this is what I find really interesting about religion and just, I don't know, the abstinence sort of idea in general about waiting is like, it doesn't encourage us to really embrace our bodies or the natural impulses that are coming up through puberty, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And so, I mean, was there any shame that was our surrounding like even like masturbation or porn or like investigating what even like sex looked like. Oh, absolutely. I mean, porn was a danger. Porn was oh, something to danger. be, a, uh, to be feared. Was it actually uh, labeled that? I mean, yeah. I, like it was the type of thing where like you, you know, anytime it was discussed in church, it was always like from the, like from the perspective of, uh, somebody giving their testimony and saying, this ruined my life. I found myself watching Got five yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like, sure. yeah. So it was always couched in, this is something that can take over your life and destroy you. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I started watching pornography on my dad's laptop, uh, that was like, that I was like, it was a forbidden thing yeah. that I was doing. And, uh, I, I think this is safe to, to say now because he no longer works at this church, but he found, like, I didn't know about browser histories. <laughs> of didn't, course. Didn't we don't get that it. in school either. Yeah, they don't. Resume building, browser clearing. Balancing a checkbook, <laughs> clear your search history. Really These are basic things. Skills. Yeah. So I didn't do that. And my dad found all this stuff on his church issued computer. And he was actually, like, he was pissed for good reason. Uh, and he was actually pretty good about like, you know, he, he, he towed the party line in terms of like, this is not what we do. This is not in like, this is like the way we believe in the way we approach sex. This is not right to do. Um, but he was very, what was not right about it? I would say, uh, so in the Bible, um, and this is a, a frustrating thing about the way scripture gets twisted around. Um, Jesus says it's better to pluck out your eye than to look at somebody with lust in your heart. Like if you've, it, like you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I say to you, if you look at a woman lustfully, uh, you have sinned, uh, you have sinned in your heart. And it's basically like what it's, what it's really supposed to do. It's actually a really beautiful idea of it's not like, you know, you can't just sit in judgment of these people who fall prey to sin. You are exactly the same as they are. There is no difference between you who has been, quote unquote, pure uh, your whole life and somebody who actually follows through. You are just as sinful and fallen and in need of grace mm -hmm. as as anybody else. There is nobody who is, is like exempt 
from like from the pull of this of this force. Yeah. Um, and so, and I think that that's a really, like, I mean, that's kind of a world shattering idea for the time of just like, you know, it's a very black and white world and he's speaking into this like, no, no, we're all, we're all this, um, which I really love. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's not as (laughs) cut and dried even to this day. Um, the thing that I got in trouble for though, was using the work computer because that, that was the extra layer for me was my dad's a pastor and I put a bunch of pornography onto his work laptop. And if he had, if anybody from the church had found that there would probably not have been a conversation. He would have been fired. Yeah. Did you conflate the two though? That like, not only was it inappropriate just because of the, the vehicle you were using to look at it. Right. But also that that is bad. Like whatever you were looking at is bad or shameful or whatever. I would, I would say, yeah, like uh, there's no avoiding it. Like people tell it, like people tell you that it's this thing and you discover it and you're you're excited by it and you're watching it and you were like, you are feeling physical full physical responses that are pleasurable. And then you go through this, you know, like the kind of this post-coital, like, Oh my God, what have I done? Like you, you know, you pray for, got to take it away you pray like to not have to deal with it anymore you make pledges you make vows you go to church camp where like you know they're not specific about what the sin is that you need to repent from but whatever it is God's there for you to help take that away and you're like okay I promise for the rest of the summer I'm not gonna do this and maybe you're successful, maybe you're not, but it's still like it, like that's the relationship right. with that. I think there's uh, something really interesting in what you were speaking about, about the lust and that sort of viewpoint. Um, and it, I think this is the other thing about religion that strikes me is that we all come not, from Christianity, but a lot of religion of like we come from sin, like we mm-hmm. are natural sinners which I think puts a very interesting lens, particularly on sexuality and sex, that pure and like not operating in that um, framework where we're listening to what our body is doing and expressing in the way that is naturally coming up, that those things are sin and bad and the the, almost the negation of it and the um, absence of it is the pure good part. And so that's where I think, like, I'm always interested because, um, and I think I had a lot of that too, that, that it was like, that part isn't natural only in the tiny context that I've been given of this one other person who completes me, right? And then I'm allowed to be, then this like sinful thing is acceptable. Right, yeah. Yeah. I, and I think that's what religion tries to do. It tries to make sense of uh, these natural urges and these, like the, any religion that like, that's worth anything is trying to make sense of being alive. Sure, yeah. Uh, and there, like there's codifications that happened when, uh, the Christian faith was co-opted by the Roman Empire mm-hmm. that turned it into this much more legalistic kind of idea. There were like church councils that were trying to figure out, okay, there's a lot of crazy batshit stories about Jesus. Sorry. We're going to try and narrow it down and, and figure out this is what is said. And that all happened before it was appropriated by Rome. But basically that canon uh, and that tradition, when it became part of a state religion, uh, like kind of like set a box uh, around all right. this experience and now like you're like you're either in or you're out right um whereas like you know i 
and you know, any of your, I don't know if there are any church historians who are listening to this podcast and maybe I'm. <laughs> That's our main audience. Yeah, you know. Uh, I don't like, I am not a, I have not been to seminary and I may be incorrect in some of my facts. I welcome, uh, actually don't, don't tweet me. I'm, I never check Twitter. Um, tweet us yeah. on our upcoming yeah, tweet Jerry. TV, like, TVD Twitter. I can't wait for you to say you've ruined my life, Tyler. I can't get these church people to stop tweeting at me. Oh, come at me, bro. <laughs> Um, but all these things, like I, I think in its inception and in the initial, um, in the initial message of the Christian faith, it is about freedom. It is about recognizing like the brotherhood and the common situation that we all find ourselves in right. and acknowledging it and realizing that there's no hope from it apart from just releasing and like giving over your sense of power and submitting to something higher. So to bring it back to you, did so you didn't have girlfriends. Not by choice. I I just didn't. I, I was not. Uh, I was a fat kid, and I was an indoor kid. I did not play sports. Okay. Uh, I did not like. I did not pursue women. Uh, I mean, or if I did, okay. Uh, I was a. I was a creepy kid. Uh, <laughs> I, I. That's a judgment on me. Like maybe I'm not creepy, but I like my mo just from like from a childhood. I'm the kid who just like unrequited love was totally my thing. I got off on being unrequited, like okay. on unrequited love. And I would like, I didn't consciously seek it out, but I constantly found myself in that kind of situation. Okay. So from like, which sort of makes sense, especially if princess bride is your, like, you yeah. know, your pathway. That's yeah. exactly what that is about. And then following it through until. Yeah. So like the, that mentality of like, I'm going to be the one who like saves this person or, yeah. um, um, like, uh, you know, in elementary school, it was like, I would see like the girl that I had a crush on in elementary school, I, whenever recess came along, I was like diametrically opposite side of the <laughs> playground from this person. And I would just be like, all right, she's at the swings. Cool. Cool. She's at the swings. Uh, and then like, I hope she didn't see me. Um, right. and then, uh, you know, in high school that kind of turned into, um, I was like everybody's friend. Uh, yeah. like I sought out just being like intimacy and friendship in that way. But it was always uh, like, it, I, I, I gotta be honest. It was always with the ulterior motive of like, they're going to notice that I'm great and I'm going to be the, like, sure. I'm going to be this person. Uh, and as an added measure to like, I don't know if this was, uh, I, I would say it's not, uh, it was not a conscious thing, but I would always develop crushes on crushes on girls who had boyfriends. Uh, so mm. that like, well, I can't, I can't sin that way. I can't like, I can't be challenged by the, by being in a sexual situation right. because they've got a oh, boyfriend. Oh, interesting. Um, did, so did you hold hands with anyone or kiss anyone? Uh, no, I did not kiss anybody until, um, I ne like it was a spin the bottle game in my sophomore year of college, after my sophomore year of college. Okay. Uh, I was doing summer stock theater. Yep. Uh, and Always that was, happens at theater. Uh, theater's, <laughs> theater's just the best. Theater's you want to, you want to have any sexual experience? Join the theater. Oh man. I, I, I look back on that. The, the summer of 2004, uh, was fondly. It was uh, very fondly. Yeah. Well, it was, it was actually one of my, my first real encounters with, uh, diametrically opposed viewpoints coming from people that I 
deeply uh, respected and admired and and was also attracted to. Sure. Um, and if I have one regret from that whole summer, it's that I didn't throw myself more into it. Mm. Um, because I was, you know, I was in Vermont with a group of people uh, who like were all like, you know, some of them were Ivy Leaguers, some of them uh, were from the Midwest. Uh, but, you know, we were uh, 14 college age kids in a ski lodge for an entire summer with no internet. Uh, and, and we only had a VHS player. Yeah. So, um, we were like the real, the real world. Yeah, it was, it was, it was very much, I mean, that was like the the year that uh, Fahrenheit 9-11 came out and like, you know, we had to drive 30 miles to the nearest movie theater to watch this movie and it was my first time ever seeing like a Michael Moore film. Wait, why were you here? Uh, This was Summerstock Theater. Oh, for theater. Yeah, for theater. (laughs) like, Um, block yourselves in a... Yeah. Um, Okay, so did you kiss somebody then? In a spin the bottle game. Got it. Yeah. So, did you... Okay, let's talk about this idea of virginity and um, the word virgin. Did you adopt that term? Like, was that something that you identified as? Yeah, I would say I identified it, but I didn't like, I didn't broadcast it. Okay. Like, if it came up, I was not ashamed to talk about it. You weren't ashamed to yeah. talk about it. Um, I mean, I would say depending on context. Sure. Um, like, it, I think that that kept me from having, um, uh, like, like romantic relationships because the older I got, the more like weird I felt okay um, so did you you did feel weird yeah yeah so it. as time passed I would say like I I totally was fine with it for a period of time and then I hit about like 23 24 when uh you know I'm out of college and I haven't met my special person yet sure. and now like have you made out with anybody at this point or done anything besides just um gosh I'm trying to think like um I, I would say if not seriously. Okay. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. My first serious relationship was not until I moved to Los Angeles when I was 27. Okay. Um, and that only lasted like three months. Uh, and that was like, that was my trial by fire where it was that's, that's way too dramatic. Edit that part out. <laughs> um, but, uh, but that was a relationship where um, this person was um, both a, a, a very strong Christian and uh, incredibly sex positive. Um, oh. So it was very strange. She had actually just recently uh, slept with someone for the first time right before we got into a relationship. Oh, wow. And I would say one of the reasons why we didn't last, among probably just not being right for each other, sure. um, but like one of the things that was uh, that was clearly frustrating to her was that I wasn't prepared to, to, to uh, have sex. Got it. Uh, and so, um, and that also for her took other stuff off the table uh, and like leading up to that because she's like, well, if you're not going to go all the way with me, then I don't think, I don't feel comfortable like giving you stuff, uh, that, that you're Got asking it. for. Interesting. Um, yeah, like it was a very, uh, like, uh, I don't know, like I, I, I consider myself very lucky to have been in that relationship and to have, uh, like experienced somebody who was basically just a little bit ahead of me sure. in terms of their like, uh, awakening and development in that area. So, I mean, as a, so I waited until I was 23, but when I was in senior and in college, like life itself sort of dematerialized around me. And so my way of coping with it was like to basically just black out 
get drunk and make out with a ton of people Hmm. and then go and like shack with them but not do anything because I was too scared and I didn't want to really because really all I wanted was like somebody to like love me and hold me Um, which is not what most people want to do when they're super drunk and you know have this girl who's like yeah I'll come home with you Um, but so then when I got out here I was doing a similar pattern and I had I had a lot of stigma in my head about being a woman who hadn't had sex yet uh, but I had done this other stuff and so there was like all this conversation like sort of in my head and then all of a sudden I just decided I was like it was time to do it it doesn't have to be under the because I originally I was like I gotta go to a hotel room they have to light candles like it's gotta be this big fucking thing and the guy that I ended up like having for the first time lit a couple candles lovely um but you know and so i wonder like from the male side was there because there was additional pressure i feel like that i put on myself but also being the masculine part Mm. of it the person who especially in these rom-coms is like the one leading everything is supposed to know what's going on Mm -hmm. like did that play a part like especially as you got older Um, Yeah, I would say so. Um, I think that, I mean, for one thing, I also was with a group of like, I, the group of friends that I found and became my community out here were pretty Um, bro-y. And so uh, it was, it was kind of like a night and day situation where like I would be hanging out with them and a lot of, a lot of sex was happening. Sure. like, and, and then I would be like, well, maybe I'll, maybe it'll rub off on me and this will be like a safe area for me to try for this. But it was like too, there was too much of that energy around oh, and whoever I brought into it was either like, not for me or, uh, like would end up with one of my friends instead of me. like, you know, not that these were like sex parties by any stretch, yeah, like yeah. they're just like hanging out and like, you know, sure. literally, a, a like a, a woman that I was interested in, I would bring over and at, by the end of the evening, there it was clear that there was no attraction to me, and she would end up with one of my friends. Got it. Um, oh, that's heartbreaking. It was pretty rough. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so I'd say like the and but the, there was also like a lot of that being modeled uh, and around me of just like these guys who were assertive but not aggressive and like just very clear about what they wanted sure. and and like and they were getting it. Yeah. Um, and the long like I felt completely uh, ill-equipped to uh, to ask for what I wanted uh-huh. and to be yeah. clear about it because uh, because I was just afraid. Um, Did you even know what it was? I mean, I think that's the thing, too, before I even had sex or an awareness of what it was. Like, I wouldn't have even known what to ask for. Yeah, I, th- I didn't know what to ask for because, I, you know, the because I think of how I was raised and knowing that it's a special thing and also seeing people get punished for it in a very specific mm. way, like... You know, when you grow up within the church, not just in a church, but like I, I kind of see how the sausage is made with churches. Like, you know, I've I've been uh, like on the outside, like I've been waiting in the car, like for my parents to finish up like a church budget meeting yeah. that got like tense. Yeah. Uh, and there there have been uh, pastors either like at churches that we were at previously that like after we moved on, we'd hear stories about like, oh, so-and-so is no longer there because they had a relationship with such and such from the choir. Whoa. Uh, and, Whoa. High stakes. Yeah. So there's all these okay. high stakes of like, 
hey, um, you could maybe like you could give yourself over to this feeling and this urge and ask for what you want. But, you know, maybe literally everything you have will be taken away from you for it. Oh, man, that's so, really dire. Yeah. yeah. So when you decided to because you were how old were you? 30? I was 30. when okay. it happened. Oh, 30. Yeah. Yeah. So when you decided to have sex for the first time, what was that conversation? Or was it just a shift of like? What was it? It was a shift and um, it started off as like a really nice story and then it just turned into not a nice story. Yeah. Um, so I met like, um, so I moved out here when I was 27 and I think my first Halloween here, a friend of mine uh, who I used to tour with uh, and ended up being in a band with out here. Um, that's right. I'm in a band. Uh <laughs> Uh, had a, like a house in Silver Lake and it was a really nice place with like two other guys who like were doing well with like, you know, I don't know, it wasn't Buzzfeed, but basically Buzzfeed. Sure. Um, and, uh, and so like they had a backyard and they were going to throw like a monthly house party to like bring in extra cash cool. and, and all this stuff. And I met this girl at a Halloween party when I was like 28 years old and we really hit it off. I thought she was beautiful. And like, we just had like a really nice rapport. Um, but I didn't get her number. Uh, a year goes by, I see the same girl at the same party, and we get each other's information, but nothing happened. And then three years more go by, and I'm walking down the street uh, with, uh, with a friend of mine from out of town in a part of town that I'm never at, and she walks out of a bar, and I see her, and like I talk to her for a couple minutes, and she gives me her card. And the next night, we go out for drinks. Nice. Um, and so I'm just like, oh, wow, this is my story this, this is, is like this is the thing it's a good one it's yeah. a good start and then we have drinks together and it becomes very clear that we are not at all right for each other mm. uh but we are attracted to each other mm -hmm. and now i'm in this place of just like fuck it uh <laughs> like right I, i'm totally i'm 30 this is happening like it's gonna be like it's gonna be fine so I, we go over and, and it happens. Was she aware? Did you tell her? Yes, I did. Like, okay. and that was like one of the, like that was one of those things where, uh, like, as I started to date because I did start to do like I would go on dates with people and I was on OkCupid and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, that I would like I would be like I would be honest about that because I wanted it to be on like I wanted it to be on the table. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I was just like, this is gonna come up sooner rather than later. I mean, that conversation to me was so stressful because I remember having it like multiple times with multiple people and just like it, for me, it's interesting because earlier you said that like people were pretty receptive to like when you would tell them they were like good for you you know I felt like I never had that response and that could be like me changing I think it might be different for guys and for girls exactly and yeah. that's what I was just like thinking is that's so interesting because there's something about I don't know there's something about me waiting and being like almost like an old maid or something like that I oh, yeah. you know that I I don't know there was something about it that was like so shameful that I was like this is how it has to happen now like yeah. we're, we're done I'm done waiting so you might as well become a librarian yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay so you would let her know so then the, you have this experience had this experience it was I mean like no no offense to her but it was like it was fine Sure. Uh, like it was it, it, definitely no fireworks or anything. It was just like, okay, that's a thing that, that happened. And this uh, is what sex is. This right? is what sex is. Cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, and then uh, I walked outside and there was a parking ticket on my car. Oh. 
O-L-A. And I was just like, this is, this is a, this is a sign. This is, this has to be like, oh, a, no. no, not like, you okay. Know, not like a sense of humor. Like, sure, just like, okay. of, of, <laughs> like, like, it's like, and I, and I never did that again because <laughs> God is watching. Uh, he will give you a parking ticket. He will give you a parking ticket, you dirty, dirty boy. Uh, and so, but you know, I went back uh, a few times, but it was not, it was not right. It was yeah. like, it was this thing where, um, I, I, I don't, I, I've never been diagnosed with depression, but I like looking back, I'm like, I think there's probably some depressive, like there's depressed behavior going on mm. there. Uh, and she was, uh, clearly having her own issues. Like, yeah. like a lot of, like, there were a lot of things where just like, we are clearly trying to just medicate something sure, that something this is not actually that, going to yeah. fix. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, like uh, after, after a few more times, like it was, it was gone. Uh, and, and I didn't see her anymore. Yeah. Um, and then from that point on, it was a little bit more of a kind of a typical dating instead of saying like, it was on the table. It was on the table. Right. Yeah. But then, you know, it, it was a very weird shift from like, I've never done this before to I've only done this one time. One time. Yeah. yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. It's a so, different dialogue. Yeah. Sure. So yeah. it's just like, you know, uh, and that kind of conversation, like it gets, it gets less and less awkward as time goes yeah. by. Uh, and I'm in a, a, a relationship now that, uh, it's, it's my happiest relationship and it's my longest relationship, Yay. uh, by far. Yeah. Um, and, and so like, that's been really nice, but, um, even now, like it's, it's still fi- difficult for me to, uh, ask for the things that I want. Yeah. Uh, and so like, that's kind of, for me, one of the things that I'm trying to work f- through now that I have like this safe space where I know something's not going to be taken totally. away from me. Yeah. Um, like just working through it. Yeah. And I guess my question too is like, now that you've done it and now that you do have the safe space, is there a desire to explore within it? In, outside of the realm of procreation or just like the soulmate, um, w- whether it's with one person, I don't, it doesn't matter to me, but like, is there this desire of like, okay, this can be, this can live in a different way in my body, in my life, it can exist differently, or do you still similarly see it like when you were growing up? Um, that's a complicated question, actually. Sure. Um, I sometimes feel like I should want that. Uh, and I should want to like explore and like, you know, tr- like now that I have like a really lovely partner, like, let, you know, sky's the limit, let's just go. Um, but really, uh, I more often than not, I'm just like, this is, this is a- enough for me. Yeah. Right I now. feel happy. Sure. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, I think a lot of that is because I primarily wanted something in the form of a relationship rather than like this physical experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so now that I have a relationship and now that I have a form of intimacy on a regular basis, mm-hmm. like the, the, the shape that, uh, sex takes in that context is less important. Totally. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think, um, I'm trying to think what, um, yeah, that, that's that's kind of where I'm no, at. No, it makes sense. I mean, like, I think sometimes I don't do as good a job of this, but, like, really what I'm interested in advocating for is people owning their sexuality in the way that they want to. Absolutely. And whatever expression that takes, whether it is going to sex parties all the time, doing sex work, or not having sex at all, or having sex in the way that they want with their relationship, you know? the More to the point of, like, 
unlocking that part mm-hmm. of ourselves so that it, it can inform us in a new way of just like existing here on this planet. Yeah. I think the biggest mystery of sex still is it's not a big deal and yet it is a big deal. I yeah. mean, why have a podcast to talk about yeah, it? Right? Uh, totally. Like, <laughs> if, it's, if it's not a big deal, it's like, what are we doing yeah. here? Uh, so there's so- definitely something. Yeah. Um, I would say that the lasting uh, impression from the way I was raised to how I'm living now is something my dad would say in terms of, uh, like sex has, um, a component where it, it like, it does bond you to another person, mm-hmm. whether that yes. bond lasts or doesn't is like, it, like, and this is me talking, this isn't my dad, but like he, like that concept of like bonding with somebody yeah. for a period of time, I would say he probably thinks that that is something that lasts and like you take with you. And that's not necessarily a good thing to just like have all these like remnants of connections. Sure. Um, and, uh, but I do think that that is something that psychologically happens where you are connected with somebody mm-hmm. on a deeper level than just physical touch yeah. can, uh, can lay claim to. Well, yeah, 100%. Um, so, uh, and I think that that is something that uh, should be respected. Uh, and that's that's kind of where I'm at in terms of like, whenever I see, like I I want to be one of those people who is just like, it doesn't matter what or how, or like uh, like for me, it's just like, as long as you respect it. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's basically guns. And just like <laughs> guns, literally, they, I mean, not to be, I'm not one of those people, but guns don't kill anybody. It's the intent of the person sure. holding it and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, not a gun person, please. Uh, <laughs> but like, we'll put it, a disclaimer yeah, up front. Yeah, it's like <laughs> from Texas, not a gun man. Yeah, in a band. In, in a, a band. band. <laughs> uh, was previously. Uh, and so, but like, I think it's that where it's just like this thing is is not good and it is not bad. It is yeah. a powerful thing, and your approach to it is like it says it. it it's a defining trait. It's a yeah. defining characteristic. It's something that. Like it sets you on a certain kind of path. Yeah. Well, and our genitals in general, like that is where life comes from. Like it's our life force. Yes. Whether you want to decide it's that or whatever impact it has, like that is creating life. It is what you came from, you know, like it is the thing that. General genitals are giving the orders. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, well, I love you. Thank you for sharing so much and being so lovely. This is such a cool, I mean, perspective that we haven't had on the podcast before. And I just think it's such a fun conversation. Well, thank you so much for having me. This yeah. has been a delight. Yeah. I, like, How can people find you? Uh, I am, Do you want people to find you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm off the grid. I'm, I'm Ron Swanson. Uh, no, I uh, yeah, I'm on uh, I'm on Twitter. I don't check it often, but you can follow me at Act Don't Think. Uh, oh, cool! Yeah, uh, so I got that early. Yeah, um, when in my improv days, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I uh, I am Act Don't Think. Don't judge me on that screen name, but I still like it. So uh, screw you guys. <laughs> um, awesome! Yeah! Yay! Woohoo! Ow! Ow! Hey! Well, that turned into like a wolf. Yeah, it did. <laughs> I didn't think that's where I was going, but I didn't either. But then yeah. I kept it. Were you into wolves as like a younger woman? No, I was into bugs and rocks. Okay, I remember a lot of like wolf girls back in the day. Really? Yeah. What know. does that mean? I like just girls that were like into drawing wolves and like acting I was like into drawing bugs. That's cool. And what I was your favorite bug? Rocks. I don't remember. I think it was like a praying mantis. That's tight. But I had a bug book. Ah, that's cool. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, Jerry. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day.
be Valentine's Day, Will. <laughs> um, Tyler, you're amazing and beautiful. Um, everybody should look him up and work with him because he is a great acting teacher, too, and director. Uh, as always, please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Finding My Yum Podcast. You can email us at FindingMyYum at gmail.com. Yeah, looking for those emails. Mm-hmm. And also rate us five stars on wherever you listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. Leave us a review. Send us a message. Give us new guests. If you want to come on, we want to talk to you. Um, yeah, we're into year two, baby. Yeah. So let's spice things up. As if we didn't in year one. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. That was super vanilla in year one, Just you guys. wait, so guys. Pulling out the big guys. Uh, Have a dirty, raunchy, hot Valentine's Day. Bye. <laughs>